0: Today's episode of the Mighty Parenting Podcast is sponsored by IBMe.com. We know that mindfulness practices support healing and good mental health in our teens and in ourselves. IBMe knows this, and they have been teaching teens mindfulness and meditation practices for years. And then last year, when COVID struck, they moved their practices online to keep supporting our teens. They're continuing online training retreats and programs, things like their monthly Rainbow Family LGBTQIA community meditations, weekly communities of color meditations, weekly live meditations, equity and interdependence community conversations, and more. Just go to ibme.com and check the calendar for the latest scheduling. And while you're on there, be sure to check out their summer retreat schedule. They're going to have both online and in-person retreats this summer, including a retreat for communities of color and their first LBGTQIA retreat. Just go to ibme.com and check the calendar. Today's show is brought to you by Omeo. Omeo is a travel booking platform that makes planning a journey in Europe and North America easy. Just enter your travel details and Omeo will give you all the train, bus, flight, and ferry options for your journey, making it incredibly easy to compare options and book your vacation, and letting Omeo save you time and money. I know I'm looking forward to using it to compare different ways of reaching the same destination on my next vacation. Are you ready to get out and travel? Omeo wants to help by offering 5% off your next booking. Just head over to omeo.com, O-M-I-O.com, and use the code LISTNER5, all in caps in the number 5, when you check out. The code's valid until July 31st for new users on all modes of transportation at Omeo, where you can plan, book, and love your journey. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Mighty Parenting, a podcast with real, raw, and relevant talk about raising teens and parenting young adults. Welcome to Mighty Parenting, a community where we help you raise teens and parent 20-somethings so they can become happy, successful, and emotionally healthy adults. I'm Sandy Fowler, a stress relief coach, emotional wellness speaker, and host of the Mighty Parenting podcast. Quick reminder, pop over to MightyParenting.com grab the free email series we have on how to talk to your teen. And that is going to be a great connection with today's show because we're going to be talking about connection and communication is an important part of that. The teen years can be really challenging for our kids and for us. And as we watch them navigate this world of their changing bodies and school and social groups, all those things can be difficult for them or difficult for us to watch them navigate. And letting our kids make more choices and do more on uh, on their own and follow the beat of that internal drummer that they have that we may not have seen as much of before, that can all be really, quite frankly, kind of scary for us as parents. And then feeling them pull away to spend more time with their friends can be painful. But our teens do still need us. They still need us. They actually do still want us around. And so helping us understand this and how we can keep that connection with them is Courtney Conley. Courtney is an author, an educator, and a licensed counselor who specializes in working with adolescents and their families. She is the author of the book, Your Daughter Doesn't Have to Be Miserable, An Approach to Supporting Your Teenage Daughter Through Depression. And today, she's helping us learn how we can connect with our teens and how that helps them. Courtney, welcome to Mighty Parenting.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited.
0: As I said before we got on the show, you know, connection is at the core of what we talk about here at Mighty Parenting. We are trying to move from that that place of taking care of our kids to almost like coaching them as they learn to take care of themselves. And that takes connection that takes a good strong relationship. We want them to come to us when they are trying to figure something out, when they're making a tough decision, wrestling with big questions. That also requires connection. And I we also have had guests on who've just said, "Hey, you know, the numbers show, the studies show that teens do still want connection. They want their parents around, but it doesn't always look like that to us as parents. So I'm curious um, from your standpoint in your work, what do you see that connection does for our teens? Like why is that connection with the parents so important?
1: I think it's instrumental, uh, I mean, in every area, (laughs) you know, of their life, because if we don't have a connection, then just like you said, our kids aren't going to come to us. And then who are they going to? And are they getting the information that we would really want them to get? You know, are they getting the best information and the best support if they're not coming to us? So I think connection it's at the heart of everything you know in my work um as a clinician a lot of times folks are looking for something that they think is like one technique or one intervention or one you know this or that that they can do with their kids and i really have to kind of bring them back to the importance of connection and one analogy that i use you know with them in particular that kind of helps them see how important this is is just thinking of somebody being lost in the woods, right? Thinking of our teenager or our kid or somebody being lost in the woods. And before we can help them, before we can even guide them, we have to be able to find them. And the only way to do that is through connection. So I think it allows us to truly understand what they're struggling with a bit more so that we also ourselves can give that kind of proper guidance and be there for them in a meaningful way.
0: I had an interesting thought when you talked about, okay, your child's in the woods and you have to find them first. And I went, okay, what does it mean to find them in everyday life? And the thought that went through my head is actually kind of a scary one for parents. It's that idea that maybe we don't really know our child like we think we do. Because most parents, really, most parents are like, oh yeah, I know my kid. And in certain ways, I always tell parents when when you're working with professionals, don't forget that you do know your child well. We need to listen, but you know your child. And yet, I, I feel like in what you just told us that we need to also acknowledge that maybe we don't know everything. As you work with kids and you work with families, what do you see? Do you see that that parents that we tend to overestimate how well we know our kids or maybe kids trying to reach out and and show us who they are and we're not ready to listen
1: I would definitely have to go with yes and I and I I do agree that that is kind of a scary thought as parents right but there are in my work with parents you know I I've worked with hundreds of teens at this point I used to be a high school counselor for 6 years I was a middle school counselor for 2 years I'm continuing my work Um, more in a coaching and one-on-one individual counseling basis, but I've worked with hundreds of teens and there's a common theme, a common thread of adults don't understand, or they don't get it, or what I say isn't important, um, or they think they know everything. And I've worked with enough parents on the other side of that to know that's not true, that, you know, um, the parents love their kids, you know, so desperately want to support them and want to um, be there for them. But there are things that we do as well-meaning adults that tend to kind of shut them down, um, rather than foster that connection and help, um, understand where they're coming from and, and build that rapport. There are, there are things that we tend to do that, that shut them down instead of open up the opportunity for conversation.
0: All right. This begs the question. What are those things that we're doing? Yeah.
1: So when our teens are upset or our children, because I, I, I mean, in all reality, I do this with, with my four-year-old um, when our teens are upset, a huge piece of what we can do to open up is validation, And a lot of times as parents, we confuse that, right, with reinforcing what they're doing, reinforcing their behavior instead of validating their feelings. So we kind of have to retrain our parent brain because a lot of times the way we respond as parents, when our teens are upset or our kids are upset, we either immediately jump in to explain our position, right? This is why this is, this is why I'm saying that, this is, you know, X, Y, and Z, Or sometimes we argue with their feelings. We'll say, uh, you know, you're overreacting or whatever the case might be. So we get kind of defensive and we, you know, argue back with their feelings. Um, And really the the best possible thing that we could do is to stand back and try to validate their feelings to make them feel heard, to make them feel understood um, is a critical piece of that connection and where parents get very uncomfortable with this is when they're confusing validation with reinforcement. Validating is simply saying, I understand your feelings. I can see how you would feel that way. And acknowledging their feelings, the way that they're feeling, and that the way that they're feeling is important. It's not saying that it's okay that they're throwing this massive temper tantrum or whatever else, any other way they could be acting out or behaving or, or whatnot. So, so that's a major point of confusion for a lot of folks. And they're like, well, if I'm just validating her feelings or his feelings, then you know they're going to try to walk all over me or they're going to think it's okay. And that's really the opposite. It helps de-escalate the situation and builds connections. So you know, you're, 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 it's kind of like a secret weapon in a way, right? You're getting these two major benefits of one, you're kind of de-escalating because it's hard to argue back when somebody's saying, I can see how you would feel that way, or I understand your feelings. And then you're also building connection while you're doing it.
0: All right. I love the idea that we get a twofer. I mean, two are always great. <laughs> yeah and one of the things that i have run into with my kids and another adult are i have i have one person in my life who you know i would say i can understand how you feel that way or whatever when their underlying desire or need is for me to actually agree with them and i don't agree with them so if we get that you know if our kids are doing that and what they really want is for us to agree with them, not just validate their feelings. Is there something we can do to to still be, you know, taking that connection to the next level after we've said, "I can totally understand why you feel this way," or "I hear what you're telling me about that," and that might, you know, I can see how that's hard, or I can see how that's painful.
1: Hmm. Well, you know, I have to add this in there too. Um, And just in terms of listening to understand instead of necessarily listening to respond, because there's so many ways in just our everyday life that we're not truly listening to folks, right? We're just listening to respond and we're not listening to kind of absorb everything they're saying and to understand. And I mean, we do this all the time, right? Like we're standing there talking to someone and our grocery list is going through our head and our... whatever else we have going on that day, or we have a similar situation we've experienced and I'm just kind of waiting for you to finish talking so that I can say my piece. Um, So I think one is just once you've opened that door and you've connected through the validation piece, once you've acknowledged how they feel or how they're feeling, whether you agree with, you know, what they're doing or not, um, just acknowledging that they're feeling that way. I think Honestly, listening to understand instead of listening to respond is your next biggest challenge uh, because so many times we just want to jump right in and uh, you know say whatever it is that that comes to our mind. Um, but once you've opened that door, you also have the ability to explain your position because it's not necessarily a you versus them situation when you can acknowledge their feelings and validate their feelings and try to understand what's going on with them. They get more of the sense that it's a you with them and not a you versus them. So that opens the opportunity for you to kind of give your reasoning or explain a little bit about your position and where you're coming from after you've opened that door to kind of hear what their position is and where they're coming from and why they're thinking and feeling the way they are.
0: Okay. Well, that makes sense. And I can also see where if we're just focusing on the listening rather than the responding and then just asking more leading questions based on what they tell us. So tell me more about that. And what do you think about that and how, What could, you know, what are you thinking about doing or, or asking more about their feelings? It seems like doing those things would also, um, I guess, maybe kind of deepen the connection more and also show more that really I I'm here for you, I I do hear you, and I'm willing to stand here and listen to you. This isn't, as you said, you know, I'm not just standing here letting the grocery list go through my head. I'm not trying to get out of here as quick as I can. I'm not looking at my phone. I'm actually asking you more about your experience and your feelings. Absolutely. And, And in my work with teens, I've heard teens
1: say this over and over again, that they want their parents to understand how they're feeling. You know, they often feel like we maybe minimize things or don't look at it through their lens and they want us to know how they're feeling. If something feels bad or um, if they're struggling with depression or anxiety or any kind of other strong emotion or, I mean, our teenagers go through a million things. They want us to know how that feels and how badly they feel. So I think that, you know, that piece of understanding is really important.
0: We've all, we have a relationship with our child. We're living in a household. We have habits. We have patterns. Do you have ideas on how to, how to go through this shift in the way we're interacting with our team. Because initially, if I just, if I, you know, I say, I understand how you feel. I'm not necessarily, it's not like the heavens are going to open and they're just going to feel amazing in that moment and go, oh my gosh, my mom gets me. They understand everything. It's going to take some time and it's going to take a little bit of like, it has to sink into them right? That, that we really are there for them. So are there ideas or strategies beyond being patient that we can use to help us out in that shift? I have to say that I have found
1: the most success with being authentic with our kids and just even saying, you know what? I, I, I feel like I wanna to get to know you better or I wanna understand what you're going through more. Um, you know, I appreciate when you open up to me and I'm gonna to try to do a better job of listening and understanding. I I really find that the more authentic we are with our kids, the better response we're going to get. And then I think we're modeling something really important for them in return, right? To be able to say where we feel like we could be doing better and and what we want to build on in terms of our relationship or our connection or whatever. Um, so just saying, like, I I want you to feel comfortable coming to me in different situations. And, and that's something that I want to work on. Um, because change is hard, you know, change is, is definitely um, difficult. And starting that shift can feel sort of awkward. So I would say, you know, as a parent to kind of just be prepared for that, you know, it feels a bit awkward. You're doing something different. You're doing something outside of the norm. You talked about, you know, routines and all of that. Um, So kind of be prepared for that sort of awkwardness and stumbling through these things a little bit, but just take a deep breath and know that it's going in the right direction. You know, we don't always immediately see the fruits of our labor or the seeds that we plant, but we know we're doing something that is eventually leading us in the right direction.
0: That was another thought I had as you were talking about this and you, one of the phrases you said was, I want to get to know you better. And again, I think that's going to take some time before. I think we have to deepen that connection. We have to strengthen that relationship more in most cases before our teen is going to be comfortable opening up more and saying, well, you misunderstand this about me. Or maybe there are things that they haven't told us about because we we don't have the connection that they want. They don't believe that we really understand them, that we get it. They they think that we're going to maybe belittle them. Or I know when I've talked to teens that, they're concerned that parents are going to jump into something and take it over. You know, they're afraid Mm -hmm. to tell us about a situation because they don't know what we're going to do. Like we're a loose cannon in their heads (laughs) because we don't get it. And and one of the things we don't get is when we see that there's an action that can be taken and we think it should be taken, we don't get that. We need to step back and let them do that.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So again, I'm in this place of like, It just, I guess I'm thinking about this and I'm feeling the awkwardness of that time period of trying to show them I get it and yet them not being ready to open up. Mm -hmm. Well, and I also could say, I
1: think one powerful way to do that, because we know there's always going to be... um, you know, you're, you're gonna butt heads, right? There's gonna be things that, you know, our teens get upset with us about or are disappointed about or irritated, frustrated. And I think it's in those real moments where this opportunity presents itself best. So knowing that they're upset with you because you won't let them go to a particular party, for instance, and saying, you know, I, I can see you're really upset and disappointed with, you know, my response. Um, And validating their feelings. Right. Because then they're at least getting the sense that they're at least being heard. Right. You're at least hearing them instead of shutting them down by saying, you know what, you can't go to this party and it's this and this and this. And I'm afraid this is going to happen and I don't think it's a good situation and blah, blah, blah. You're at least moving back a little bit, taking a step back to acknowledge as a teenager, how frustrating and irritating that is, and disappointing. And there might be this whole sense that everyone else is going to be there and they're not. So at least giving them that room um, to express themselves without either arguing back as a parent or just jumping right in to explain our position further. So I think that the, the real everyday kind of scenarios of times when our Children are expressing something to us through their emotions and being willing to take that deep breath and step back and hear and understand are are the real growing moments. I think those are the biggest opportunities for connection that we quite often miss as parents because, again, we're retraining our parenting brain. We're just so used to jumping in and explaining why they can't do something or because I said so, taking that kind of you know, authoritative approach, um, you know, or allowing that argument to escalate because we know it's, you know, sometimes your buttons can get pushed. And if you, you know, are having a particularly bad day, it's much easier to push those buttons. So those are the opportunities that I would look for as a parent in starting to build that connection.
0: Okay. So one thing I had was in that example, the, mm-hmm. you know, you can't go to the party example. So if they are talking to us about how they feel and they're frustrated, even though there's a good chance that that's going to feel like their side is escalating, they're getting emotional.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It, if we can be there in that moment, stay calm and whatever it is that they're saying, or even hurling at us to mm-hmm. just be able to calmly say back to them, I hear you and I understand that you're frustrated or you're angry or you're disappointed and that Mm -hmm. this feels really huge to you and just stop, right? Like, don't try to, I I think another thing we try to do is we try to move them through that moment because we're uncomfortable and we don't like being there either. So we try to push them through it to some kind of positive outcome. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, and you know, with our you know emotions communicate, right? We communicate a lot through our emotions, and so the reason that I'm saying validation works well in kind of de-escalating a situation is because when we have an emotion, um, Dr. Marshall Linehan talks about this. Um, when we have an emotion and we go to communicate that emotion. If somebody on the other side isn't listening, what do you do? You usually escalate. And if you think about this in your everyday life, right? If I'm trying to talk to my spouse or you know, somebody about how the way that I'm feeling and I don't feel like I'm being heard, then generally, you know, you're going to escalate and it ends into an art, you know, lands in an argument. So the way this is powerful in de-escalating is because you're actually acknowledging that emotion that they're communicating. Does it look pleasant when it comes out on their end sometimes? No, we know it. You know, we know their anger is directed at us. um, And that's hard to take. You know, that's hard to take as as parents to be able to step back and take that deep breath um, and acknowledge how they're feeling in that moment. But there's real power there if we are in a position to be able to do that.
0: I can see how, I can see how this, I can see how it can be powerful. I can see how this can happen. And I appreciate that you're, you know, explain to us a little bit about how things escalate and de-escalate Cause I was wondering about that. I'm like, so when we're not validating our kids, you know, what does that look like? What would be an indication to us? Cause we might not realize that we are, or aren't doing this. Mm-hmm. It, it could just be second nature to do it or to not do it. And so I'm kind of curious, you know, like what happens with our kids and in our world when we're not validating how they feel, what happened, what do we see and what are they feeling? What, what does it tend to do to them? I think what we see is
1: either them shutting down, right. And coming to us a little bit less, you know, feeling that, I talked about a little bit earlier, that feeling of we don't understand, right? Or we don't get it, or we don't care. Um, I think that's what comes out of it. Even though we know on our side of things, that's not at all what we want to portray. So I think you see some of that shutting down and a lot more of going other places to get that validation. Um, Which to a certain extent, with our teens is normal, right? With, um, you know, talking to friends and all that kind of stuff, you know, they they tend to to go to their friends for a lot of different things. Um, but again, I think you'll see a bit more of the shutting down and kind of shutting us out a bit um, or arguments that don't lead anywhere, you know, and uh, like tension in the home and things like that. Um, that's so that's we- kind of,
0: go ahead. So if we feel like all we're doing is arguing with them, there's a good chance that it's because we're not validating their feelings, or at least that's a component of it. Oh, yes, for sure. All right. So another point that you made is that our kids feel like we don't understand them, that we don't know what their experience is like. And you work a lot with teens. What are some of the things that they would like us to know, or you think we should know as parents about today's teen experience?
1: Well, we know, um, technology is huge, right? (laughs) And this whole idea of being connected all the time and just how instrumental that shift has been for our kids and how important that world is to them. And the ways that we don't understand that world um, sometimes are very frustrating for them. So it's, it's just a, a, a complete different um, landscape, right? Than how most of us grew up um, or were accustomed to with having all of that at our fingertips. Um, so that's very much a world that they're immersed in and impacts them um, in good ways and in bad uh you know thinking about the messages and the things like that that they're you know bombarded with but that's one huge thing that they feel like uh we as adults just have no idea is you know the whole social component and being connected on social media and whatever you know major platform is popular at the time because we know it just continues to shift and continues to change um so that being such an instrumental part of their life is one thing that they talk a lot about. I'm going to
0: interrupt you for a second because yeah. they're right. I, we don't get it. We didn't grow up with that, and in fact, for most adults, it's just exhausting. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. would would the idea here then be to just go? You're right. I don't understand that. I don't get that, and so I need you to explain it to me. And when I do something or say something that is tone deaf around your experience with that, I will listen if you want to explain that to me so that I can understand it better. And I will do my best to, to try to make decisions in a way that honors your experience there. Absolutely. Because again, I think it goes back to that authenticity
1: piece. Right. And not pretending like we know everything that, you know, that's one of the other messages that that kids will tell me. Um, Adults think they know everything, Um, you know, so that authentic piece of just being able to step back and say, I really don't know this. Um, But, you know, they'll comment on adults making like you're always on your phone, you're always this, you're always that. And I think part of that is our fear and our worry, too, that. some of that might not be good for our kids, you know? So I get that that's definitely coming from a kind and caring place. And most of this stuff is, most of it is coming from like a well-meaning, you know, place of care and concern, but the way it comes out and is interpreted, it, or excuse me, interpreted by our kiddos is a little bit different.
0: So again, if we have a concern, it's best to approach them when we are not emotional and say, Hey, it yes. seems to me that you're on your phone really a lot. And I'm concerned about that's impact on you in such and such a way or because of this. And then we need to stop talking and actually listen to them and what they say about it and consider that, and then have this this conversation and maybe find some middle ground. Yeah, absolutely. And I
1: love that you had mentioned um of us doing that when we're calm. Because in reality, a lot of the work that I do with parents centers around that sort of wellness and self care so that we can position ourselves in a place of calm so that we're not so quick to react so that we can um, take that deep breath and use validation which is hard when our kids are mad at us and directing things at us. Um, it's hard to acknowledge someone's anger and disappointment if we aren't in a calmer place. You know, it's very easy to engage back in that and then create an unproductive dialogue, right? With, you know, where everyone just kind of escalates and, you know, anytime arguing starts and yelling happens, you can a hundred percent um take it to the bank that no one is listening and no one is getting anywhere. And it's just leading to hurt feelings. Um, and misunderstandings
0: what's in your work. You talk about our emotional reserves. So Mm -hmm. can you tell us why our emotional reserves are, are you say they're critical? Yes. As a parent,
1: you know, because I think our true power lies in our response. And, you know, a lot of times we're looking for something outside of us to fix the problem. And it truly, our power lies within. And the calmer we are, and the more emotional reserves we have stored up, the more able we are to react very intentionally and respond very intentionally to our kids. You know, but when you don't have those emotional reserves, you're running around ragged. You're stressed out. You're depleted. You're tired. Um, you, you know, frazzled that's not gonna position you in a good place to then be patient and calm in order to respond um, to your child, right? That's when, when we're emotionally depleted, that's when we um, snap back or, you know, we let small things frustrate us and, and all of those kinds of things. So that's why, yes, I say your emotional reserves are, are one of the most crucial things, honestly, to work on as a parent because it positions you to respond calmly and very intentionally rather than just snapping back. So I, I would say it's almost impossible, uh, almost impossible to be able to take that deep breath and to try to validate your child's feelings if you have no emotional reserves. You know, you're just going to be so stressed and so frazzled that that's not going to be a thought on your mind.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's funny because running this podcast, people contact me about parent coaching. I'm like, I don't do parent coaching. However, (laughs) I do stress relief coaching for women and especially for moms. And that's the same thing that I have found is that when, when we are able to structure our lives and support ourselves in a way where we can be emotionally and physically healthy, then we can be the the parent and the partner and the spouse that we want to be. And until that happens, we're part of the problem mm-hmm. We are reactive and as you said, you know we're snappy and, and all through this conversation, You've talked about the things that our kids say that we do, and those are going to be our knee-jerk responses. Jump in, fix it, get it taken care of now, not give them time to, to really express themselves. Just dive into the conversation and jump straight to the end, the end that I think we should be at. Like, that's just not who we are. So what I hear you telling me is a couple of things today. One, validate our kids' feelings. Two, actually listen stop thinking about what we're going to say and just listen to them and three take care of ourselves so we have the capacity to do one and two yeah absolutely and in the
1: and again taking care of ourselves is so critical because we know this isn't like an isolated incident, right? If we know we have a busy, stressful week coming up and it's going to end, we can get through that, right? <laughs> but when we're parenting, we know that's we're in it for the long haul. And the only way I, I think to, to really do that effectively and calmly with everyone's wellness in mind is to, to make sure you're taking care of yourself.
0: Well, I love that. And I love that you simply boil us down to three things. I'm not saying they're easy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And yet they're just three things validate, listen, and be in that space. And if you're not in that space, you told us also be authentic. So go, Mm -hmm. you know, I hear you and I hear you're upset. And I would like to talk to you more about this. And I just can't be the person you need right this minute. So can we just sit? Can we just be here and be quiet together? Or or if you're going to lose it, be like, okay, I'm not in an emotional place to do this. I'm just going to be mean. So I'm going to go take a time out in my room and I will be back. (laughs) Yep,
1: absolutely. And it's never too late again to go back and shoot for that connection. Like, you know what? When we talked earlier, that did not come out the way I wanted it to. Um, let me tell you how I wish I would have responded. Right. And letting our kids see we're not perfect, but I'm going to keep trying because at the end of the day, you're my kid and I want the best for you. And I'm, I'm going to keep trying to do the best I can for you.
0: I love that. All right. So Courtney, for anyone who wants more from you, where can they find you online?
1: Yeah. So um, Courtney dash Conley.com. Uh, is my website and um, different articles, things like that are on there. Um, You can get in touch with me there. I also have my book out that goes a lot more in depth, you know, into what we've been talking about uh, and ways to do that. Your daughter doesn't have to be miserable. Um, And then I have a, a, I do do some parenting coaching and I have um, an online course that partners with the book that that goes really nicely with the book um, for people who want some extra support but yeah courtney-conley.com is is where you can find me
0: and of course we will link that in the show notes and thank you so much for these insights and just keeping it keeping it simple for us to to just go do this do this and it will get better (laughs) thank you And Mighty Parents, thank you for being here. If you enjoyed the podcast, share it with another parent. We all need information and support and community. And remember, if you're here, if you're listening, you are a Mighty Parent. You got this. And I will see you next week.